Oh shit, let me get a drink. Sorry. <laughs> that was amazing. I just totally like iced the kicker. You know, like when he goes to kick the field goal and someone calls a timeout, I just iced you. As I was saying, it is Thursday. And if you couldn't tell, Nick is back. Nick, how was the wilderness of wherever the hell you were? I was in the Wachita Mountains of Arkansas. It was mostly fine. The woods part was cool. Climbed some mountains. Tried some zero drop shoes, which you probably know what those are. Mm. Caused my calves to want to die for five days after. So <laughs> other than that, uh, I'd like to say thanks again to a friend of the show, uh, Mogan, for doing an excellent job hosting. Yeah. And I also learned that if you use the hashtag Romstein, you get all kinds of crazy Euro clicks. <laughs> So I had kind of a rough weekend. Mm -hmm. So like, this is my hand. You can see Holy shit. I suffered several injuries at the climbing gym yesterday, including falling off of a rock wall and my knee bending the wrong way. So uh, now I'm in a brace and I don't know when I can go back to the climbing gym. And I just returned from the funeral of a friend and coworker. And neither of those things were the most painful part of my week. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the most painful part of my week was, Kevin? It was listening to this album, Kevin. <laughs> I've never listened to this band before. Not one time. Never. And you you can tell them who it is. I don't want to say their name. I hate them. Hate. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the album Frankenstein Girls Will Seem Strangely Sexy by the band Mindless Self-Indulgence. Fuck this band. <laughs> fuck this album. Kevin, my God. I, I had to listen to this album in shifts of multiple days. As soon as I listened to the first song, I was like, nope. And I just noped out of here. And I came, I had to come back another day to find the mindset to like try and write jokes about the audio equivalent of anal cancer. And you know, I feel like they would put that on a t-shirt. They would sell a t-shirt that said, mind the self-indulgence, the audio equivalent of anal cancer. And then he'd sing about they it. They absolutely would. So... In the high school cafeteria of new metal, mindless self-indulgence are the drama kids. Oh, I have that note in my jokes. Yes. <laughs> they are loud. They are flamboyant to the point of obnoxious. They talk in stupid accents when you don't want them to. Yeah, they're usually pretty co-ed, kind of gay. <laughs> and all around just kind of insufferable. Yeah, I, I was a drama kid. And I feel like at times I was all those things. Yep. Well, from another drama kid, yes, this is absolutely, <laughs> this resonated with me. Above all else, being a big joke is this band's calling card. The whole point of mindless self-indulgence is to be in your way. It is strobing neon green comic sans in all caps. And it is screaming falsetto and nothing is played under 200 beats per minute. This, this is what ADHD sounds like. Mm -hmm. yeah, I wish there was a drug that would make this record sound better. <laughs> and it is. It is called alcohol. <laughs> and I'm going to start drinking more of it now. If you've never heard this band, buckle the fuck up. So where the hell did mindless self-indulgence come from and why? MSI, as I'm going to refer to them because that name is just kind of fucking, it's too much, is the brainchild of vocalist James Uringer, who is better known by his stage name, Little Jimmy Urin. The joke writes itself. It's a bit infuriating to find any sort of definitive background on any members of this band as they take every interview as a chance to make the journalist's job as difficult as possible. 
Here's what we do know. James Uringer was born and raised in New York City and in his youth was privy to the city in all of its terrible glory. In an interview with Vice, he recounts the experience of growing up there in the early 90s, saying, if it's three in the morning and you want to go get an ice cream or go to a fucking S&M dungeon or go and like find a hammer and some nails to build something, you can do that anytime, 24 hours a day. So this always on full blast and nothing makes sense spirit of New York City found its way into Jimmy's music. In 1995, he and his brother Marcus recorded a demo titled Mindless Self-Indulgence. The name itself is derived from an Ayn Rand quote. Oh, wonderful. Yes. From Atlas Shrugged, it reads, Achievement of your happiness is the only moral purpose in your life, and that happiness, not pain or mindless self-indulgence, is the proof of your moral integrity. Since it is the proof of the result of your blah, 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 you spread a bunch of bullshit rhetoric about the welfare state and then collected social security. Fuck you. <laughs> Adrian is the worst. Fuck her. Oh, God, that was some shit I was way into in college. I know. When I met Kevin, <laughs> the day I met Kevin, he jammed with a band that I was in. We were looking for a singer, and... I just thought he was a cool guy. And I don't, this, these are things you can do when you're like 23, but we were just like, should we get beers after this? And we went to a bar and then he started talking about Ayn Rand, like right away. And I was like, oh no, I'm gonna hate this guy. But we worked, we powered through it. That was white privilege on full blast. And uh, me just kind of talking out my ass because I thought it made me sound smart and it got me laid a little in college. Yeah, yeah, here's your bag of cocaine and here's your Atlas Shrugged. Go. Yeah, fucking go for it. Dude, <laughs> nailed it. Uh, so anyhow, the band would soon adopt that album title as their band name. And just as quickly, Marcus Yeringer would leave. So Jimmy teamed up with guitarist Steve Rye. And that's R-I-G-H question mark as in, Hey, you're Steve, right? That's honestly how he got the name. Drummer Kitty and bassist Vanessa Y.T. Thus, Mindless Self-Indulgence was born. In 1997, they recorded their demo titled Crappy Little Demo. All these songs would go on to appear on their album in one form or another, with the exception of the last track, which is just titled N-Word. And, and not quote N-Word quote, like the word. Yeah, yeah. It's not a song at all. It's just a recording of a Lenny Bruce skit. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So I, I didn't listen to it. I did come across the lyrics and I was like, this is like freeform on a stage. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's not funny. No. I mean, it was pretty edgy when you were getting thrown in jail with a teenage George Carlin back in the day. <laughs> but anyhow, their first official album would be titled Tight which uh, was self-released on Uppity Cracker Records, the label which Jimmy used to distribute EPs and singles and the like. It was a relative success with singles Tornado, Pussy All Night, and a cover of Method Man's Bring the Pain. Tight would also cement the sound of MSI. And this was before dubstep or glitch or chiptune or any of that shit. And yet it all has elements of those things along with punk and speed metal and hip hop. And it's this insane melting pot of styles. Mm -hmm. Urine's vocal style oscillates between this screeching falsetto, Jamaican patois, screaming, and a very self-aware kind of white boy rapping, which is that, yo, yo, check me out. Why do these guys keep doing a patois? Why do we have to keep talking about patois? I don't show? know. I, if there's two <laughs> things I never thought I would be talking about this much, it's the N-word and Jamaican patois. 
don't know. Before we know it, fucking Tom Hanks' son is going to be <laughs> guesting on our show. It's White Boy Summer. Oh, Jesus Christ. I hope not. You haven't heard the song? No. Chet Hanks released a song called White Boy Summer. Oh, Christ almighty. And it's like a hit. <laughs> I, I, oh. oh, maybe I'll play it on the outro. <laughs> For those of you who've never heard Jimmy Urine's distinct vocal style, I'm going to play a little bit of the track Pussy All Night so you can get an idea of what exactly you're dealing with. So that's uh, that's pretty much the sound of MSI. The sound of MSI is like System of a Down performing in the future <laughs> in a gay bar in Berlin. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, when you're right, you're right, dude. An important thing to note here is that all of the programming is done by Jimmy Urine. So what you're hearing here and on these albums is precisely what his vision dictates. It also uses the N-word. A lot. So we're going to take a minute here to just talk about that. To date, there are seven original MSI compositions and two covers where Urine uses the N-word. The last one being Two Hookers in an Eight Ball in 2008. And up until their breakup in 2014, he was still performing these songs live. To my knowledge, and in all my research, he has never publicly addressed this in any interview that I was able to find. I'm sorry, what year did you say that they broke up? 2014. I feel like, yeah, that's right up, up, up into the point where you could get away with yeah, it. Yeah, no, oh yeah, yeah. I went onto the Mindless Self-Indulgence Reddit, hoping to glean some information, and Nick, it's just the worst. The, are the, the people in there it, just, just the awful worst. trolls? Yeah. You're like basically on 8chan? Uh, all right, so let's just run down the list of justifications a predominantly white fan base give to explain to everyone else why it's fine for him to use that word. He's half Mexican. Mm -hmm. Aren't you? Uh, not half, but a little. <laughs> have you tried it? Like, Have you tried just... <laughs> just letting her rip? Yeah. I mean, maybe I have to be all the way half mm, to, yeah. to be able to. I think I read somewhere he's pansexual. What does that have to do with him using racial slurs? I mean, if I have to explain it to you, dummy. <laughs> Number three, he's clearly not racist. Number four, it's satire and you can't be offended by satire. Oh, never. You, 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 there are rules that dictate what you can and cannot be offended uh, by. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Moving on, you're not supposed to take them seriously. So again, you are the problem. That's usually how it starts. Okay. Uh, and this is one that I'm actually like quoting verbatim from Reddit. He's using it to refer to people in general, like dude or bro. Oh, right. yeah. Imagine living in that reality. <laughs> uh, last three are either let everyone use it or no one. Oh, yeah. I love that oh, one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you can probably guess these last two. It's only a word. And rounding it out, it was a different time. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. All right, so as a fan of this band uh, and this album, and as a white man myself, I feel it's extremely important that I give my opinion. 
<laughs> as as your God-given birthright. Yes, I feel that as a white man, I need to to say something more on this. Oh gosh, well, because I wouldn't know how to how to receive this information, <laughs> Kevin, unless it was coming from another white man. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. It is true that the 90s and the early aughts were a vastly different time and white suburban teens and the internet writ large had a very different relationship with that word. And it's true that most kids uh, saw it as edgy if they saw it as anything at all. And it's something that I've been guilty of in my life. And I would venture a guess that based on the listenership demographic stats that we get in, that our listeners are too. But here's the thing. It was fucked up then, and it's fucked up now, and it's cool to admit that you were wrong and strive to do better. That's a sign of growth. And yeah, it's pretty clear in the context that the intent was not to be hurtful. They're not fucking screwdriver or something. So yeah, just because some of the content doesn't sit right with you now, it's not some sort of indictment on your favorite band or on you. You can still enjoy them. And when you hear the song and you hear those lyrics, you can acknowledge that it's wrong and that he shouldn't use them. The end. Yeah, I mean, there's that thing about like adjusting your opinion as you get additional information yeah. is good. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good thing to do. Yeah, the fact that it's 2021 and you're going out there, well, he's half Mexican. Uh, just, right. <laughs> uh. right. And for what it's worth, Urine does seem to have matured his stance on race. Uh, he's not as active on social media anymore, but in the wake of George Floyd's murder, he did use his platform to amplify black voices and he just seems to have matured. Uh, I wish his fans would. Anyhow, going back to the 90s, mindless self-indulgence were gaining traction. They were building up a devoted fan base and becoming known for their live shows, which were in the vein of Gigi Allen if Gigi Allen had talent. <laughs> if if y'all don't know who Gigi Allen is, just Google. I'm sure I'm sure some other guy's done a podcast about Gigi Allen. Hey Nick. Yeah. You want to see a man drink his own piss? I don't. Too bad. <laughs> Nick, you want to tell everyone what you just watched? Well, Kevin, it truly was a different time. <laughs> um, Jimmy Urin pulls his dick out on stage at CBGB, pisses into like a McDonald's cup, drinks it, gives it to his bandmate, who drinks some more of it, who then spits it into the crowd, then starts making out with people in the crowd. Yep, yep, yep. That was uh, that could get you signed to a major label back in the day. 1999. Yeah. Apparently, they later switched this up to Red Bull and did some sleight of hand shit uh, once they started playing to all ages crowds. Other antics included getting arrested in Detroit for indecent exposure uh, during an outing with Corn and Soulfly, where uh, Jimmy tried to light his pubic hair on fire. Yeah, I mean, you need to take the night off, buddy. You're <laughs> going to go sit in jail. This is a bad idea. Nothing about this was going to make you happy. No, no. <laughs> Image Comics released a one-shot called Adventures into Mindless Self-Indulgence, where he recounted this in animated form. You can still buy that. So yeah, they propelled this cult following and piss drinking into a bidding war with labels before finally signing with Elektra Records. And with that, they spent May through October of 1999 in the studio recording this masterpiece, Frankenstein Girls will seem strangely sexy, which I will now henceforth refer to as Frankenstein Girls. It was produced by Jimmy Urine and James Gallus. As a production duo, they went by the name The James Sisters. 
Gallus's credits are largely confined to the industrial mu music space, doing remixes for bands like Pigface and Chemlab, but the overwhelming majority of his writing and production credits are with MSI. The promotion for this album was predicated on the idea that they were terrible. Well, they, they are. They are <laughs> well, just imagine it's 1999 and you get a sticker and it says, warning, do not buy mindless self-indulgence 30 track CD. Frankenstein girls will seem strangely sexy because it sucks and your friends will laugh at you. It's a dare. The sticker on the album itself read, be the first one on your block to throw this new album out. That's funny. That's good copy. It is. I think it's good. In a really, really choice 1990s piece of the liner notes, it says, if you don't have a sense of irony or you are a piece of shit bigot, return this album immediately. If you're a parent who neglects beats or doesn't show your child love, don't waste our time in court while you try to explain to a jury how our music made your happy and normal child into a deranged lunatic. Now that may seem kind of cringy now, but there was a time where this was a big discussion on if video games and music contributed to violence. Oh, I mean, of course. I mean, you know, we touched on the satanic panic and the PMRC before. Yeah. My kid drank his own urine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The press release is just dripping with the work of some A&R lackey masquerading as cool dudes who think the music industry is stupid. Uh, it reads, see and hear mindless self-indulgence live. Why? Because they rarely suck live. But when they do, they suck with conviction. Oh my God. Yeah. Frankenstein Girls was released on February 22nd of 2000. The album clocks in at 55 minutes and 16 seconds with 30 tracks. All tracks are in alphabetical order, most coming in around the two minute mark. The album art was done by Jamie Hewlett, who at the time was known for his work on the comic book Tank Girl, and would later go on to become the visual mastermind behind the band Gorillaz. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, two out of three of these things are good. <laughs> Uh, he's also responsible for the album's title. Hmm. He drafted several sketches and included kind of numerous notes about his vision for it. One of those notes said, the Frankenstein girls will seem strangely sexy. And Yuren remarked how he thought that was the greatest thing ever and it was super absurdist. So he was like, can I use that for the album title? And he was like, all right, whatever. There you have it. In an interview with Vice, Yuren ranked this as his favorite all-time mindless self-indulgence album. And 20 years after its release, he would go on Instagram writing in all caps because annoying with a bunch of Z's. 20 years ago, some idiots gave us way too much money. So we made the dumbest, most idiotic, insane, fucked up, offensive, ridiculous record ever imaginable. We did the exact opposite what they said you're supposed to do. They said an album is 12 songs. We said it's 30. They said a song is three minutes. We said it's 150 tops. They said lead with your best songs. We said put them all in alphabetical order. They said these words are offensive. We said all words are offensive. They said, where are your slow songs and guitar solos? And we said, what? They said, you can't sing about all that stuff. We said too late. Then they gave us more money. And on February 22nd, 2000, we broke everyone's minds. People loved it. People hated it. People kissed our ass and people kicked our ass, but no one was ever, ever, ever bored ever. And now 20 years later, it's still an insane piece of shit, except now it's a classic insane piece of shit. And that was the last time a major label gave us crazy money to do crazy music. You're welcome. 
Okay, yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing before we dive into the album. We need to talk about how in the hell this even falls into the new metal category. Yeah, I was going to ask. <laughs> It's mostly guilt by association. Sure, they definitely toured with a shitload of new metal bands. Yeah, they spent the summer of 99 touring with Ramstein, Soulfly, Insane Clown Posse, Cypress Hill, Orgy, and their biggest exposure would come from opening for Korn on their 1999 Sick and Twisted tour. And this is where Korn were at the absolute zenith of their career. Yeah, 99 was absolutely yeah. tippy top. Other acts on this tour included Stained, P.O.D., Power Man 5000, and Papa Roach. So this is truly the best of the best. <laughs> I went back and looked at their archived website data, and here's a post from the news section from March 23rd, 2000, titled, Mindless on Tour with Corn at 6.15 p.m. Get there early. <laughs> <laughs> and it says, MSI opens the corn tour every night at 6.15. Don't miss them. Jonathan Davis personally invited him to play these shows. If you've never seen MSI live, A, you're lame, and B, here's your chance to correct that. They're stopping just about everywhere on this tour. Check out the tours page for dates and venues. You've got nothing better to do. We know. We've been watching you. So if, if any of you have ever gone to an arena show, they the first band starts at doors so they start playing and there's nobody there yet so you're all walking in and the opening band is going so can you imagine being like the dad that was all right 14 year old corn <laughs> fan i'm gonna take you and i'm gonna chaperone you and you walk into this shit also you know how bad the first band is always mixed in an arena all you had to hear was just fucking snare drum <laughs> And, and the vocal. <laughs> <laughs> and this is actually how I first found out about them. This tour came through Greensboro and this guy I knew, uh, he went and I was like, so how was it? He goes, this band called Mindless Self-Indulgence opened up and they fucking sucked there. <laughs> Singer was talking about sucking dudes' dicks. It, it sounded like some shit you'd like. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't wrong. He wasn't <sighs> wrong. So in, in that video, Jimmy is wearing a red tuxedo jacket and a red uh, skirt and written on the back of his jacket in big bold letters, it says red is for, and then a pejorative for homosexual men. Um, uh, track six yep. is how we refer to it. Uh, a bundle of twigs, <laughs> um, a cigarette in England. You get the idea. So at every opportunity, he's baiting the audience. So every night they are coming out to, I'm not even going to say a half full arena and a hostile crowd. And they are spending 20 minutes just doing what they do. And somewhere along the line, there were enough people in the audience who it resonated with. So let's get into it. All right, let's go. So let me say up front that we are not going to be covering all 30 tracks. I feel like my friendship with Nick is strained already. <laughs> and we would like you to continue to listen to this show. Yeah. Instead, I've selected what I think best capture the overall spirit of the album. And so much are just my personal favorites. The whole album opens up with the track Back Mask. So it's, it's funny because we've already made this joke, but... I like when our, our like jokes kind of line up independently because mm -hmm. my first line is, what the fuck is this? <laughs> this is like the weird kid in drama club grew up to get a record deal. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is very much like a 1980s thing. So if, if you don't know, backmasking is the technique where a band will record hidden messages or supposedly record them. And they can mm. only be heard if you play the record backwards. And this was a staple of the satanic panic of the 1980s. The evangelical right was convinced that there were demonic messages being encoded in albums from like the Beatles and Sticks and ELO. Yeah, Led Zeppelin and whatever. Yeah, there was even uh, legislation about it, I found out. In uh, 1983, there was a California bill introduced to prevent backmasking. And this is a direct quote. They wanted to ban anything that can manipulate our behavior without our knowledge or consent and turn us into disciples of the Antichrist. Dude, uh, American politics are so fucked up. That's like in our current society right now. Every fucking day, there's a mass shooting, mass shooting, mass shooting, mass shooting. And the politicians get together and go, we got to do something about these trans kids playing sports. <laughs> so the song is this, you know, industrial jungle beat. It's got urine's signature falsetto. The chorus is him yelling for you to kill yourself. I love the chorus. I love him screaming about all the people you love in a river of blood. That just it, it fucking clicked with my 19-year-old mind. Here's the fun part. There's actually a backmasked message in this song. Oh, really? Would you like to hear it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I love this shit. All right. So here's the original version. Here we go. Eat your vegetables. Put away your toys. Money is the good parts to this band okay fair enough <laughs> all right so next up is their most popular song bitches yeah like i i really like the intro and then it immediately starts to sound like ghost bane <laughs> <laughs> so uh the main hook here is a loop from the Susie and the banshees track happy house set to a hip-hop beat what really helped this song along was do you remember amv files amv I don't think so. So this is pre-YouTube where you had to spend three hours downloading a video from LimeWire. So I'm just going to show you. This is what passed for humor in 2000. Yeah, it, it's basically uh, what we're watching is, uh, you can Google this, Pokemon bitches. Mm -hmm. uh, it is Pokemon singing this song. Yep. Pikachu is, yeah. It was 2000, man. And I just need to say it was a different time. This is like the birth of random humor and something that would make MSI fans the most insufferable kind of fans. This is all, you know, non sequiturs and invader Zim quoting cringe sure. shit. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, totally. I mean, and I joked about 8chan earlier, but like, I feel like the kind of people that like were launching this humor were hanging out in the something awful forums, mm. which directly led to 8chan. I think this is probably where you would download that video from. Yeah. And what's yeah. crazy is that like Jimmy Yearn will actually, he's gone on every saying like, 
yeah, uh, fucking this stupid Pokemon video got huge. And a lot of people discovered our band through this, that which is just insane to me. There was also a little bit of controversy around this song before it even came out. You remember Street Teams? Oh, of course. Yeah. Were you ever part of one? I was on uh, I was on uh, Sparta's street. Oh, all right. All right. So, Nick, can you explain to people uh, who might not know what a street team is? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's basically dead now because the internet goes fast. <laughs> <laughs> but back in the day, um, you would, to get on a street team, uh, you'd pick a band or a label or whatever. And if you were selected um, in anticipation of a new record coming out or a tour coming to town, they would send you a package with just stickers, mm-hmm. demos, mm-hmm. and posters. And you were supposed to get out there and get the word out. And in exchange, you'd get on the guest list for the show. Yep, if you were lucky. Or an advanced copy of the record. Yeah. Uh, and if not, you just had a bunch of free stickers. So, yeah, just a shitload of stickers and posters. Yeah. yeah. So in anticipation of this upcoming record, the band distributed a promotional single uh, featuring bitches and faithful fans dutifully distributed this new cassette and concerned parents were less than thrilled with the contents. <laughs> this is a headline from the November 19th, 1999 issue of the Battle Creek Inquirer from Michigan. Residents angry over dirty tapes. It detailed how residents are outraged after finding profanity laden promotional cassette tapes in their front lawns. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I find it extra funny that that happened in Battle Creek. You, do you know what else Battle Creek is famous for? I don't. That's where Kellogg cereal came from, where Dr. Kellogg famously invented cornflakes because they thought it would make kids stop jerking off if their food was so boring. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You had to have the blandest <laughs> diet possible to stop you. And you had to have a lot of yogurt enemas. Yeah, yeah yogurt right up the ass. Yeah, yeah. Go- Eat spice, come hard. Yeah, go <laughs> We'll give a shout out on the pod because it brings me a lot of joy. Uh, the newest ep- or two episodes ago of Behind the Bastards over on the iHeartRadio network uh, did a really good two-parter on Dr. Kellogg. One resident reported that they felt like their rights had been violated by somebody pitching the cassettes in their yard and their neighbor's yard, all of who have small children. So really, it was a bunch of teenagers cruising around just tossing these fucking tapes yeah, out, the out, out of yeah, the window yeah, that's of their parents' car. Yeah, yeah. It was, I, I found that pretty great. Uh, Next up is Booming, and like most of their songs, it's absolute nonsense. This whole album is nonsense. Yeah, you just like keep saying like respect little girls over and over again. Yeah. Which which started to creep me out, and I'll get into that later. Yep. Uh, When you overdose on Adderall, this is the last thing you hear before your heart explodes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next up is Clarissa, and... I like this song a lot. Well, it, it definitely jumps right onto the misogyny, uh, uh, new metal trope with uh, the first, the very first lyric is uh, every single one of you goddamn bitches ain't ever going to know love. <laughs> yes. It's also worth noting that the lyrics are based around the 1991 Nickelodeon sitcom, Clarissa Explains It All. <laughs> Did you notice that? He says, if you're so smart, explain this to me. And then goes on to uh, switch gears, opining for the show's character, Ferguson, to come on and ride me now. There we go. Now I forgot. I didn't catch the Ferguson joke. I didn't know where it came from. Come on, me, Ferguson. Come on, me, Ferguson. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny now. Yeah. Um, So this next song, Cocaine and Toupees. A story of Donald Trump and his son. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
So first off, I got to say, I love how much uh, Jimmy Yearns New York comes out. Because it's on. Because it's oh, on, motherfucker. So I'm going to play you a little bit of MSI opening for Corn in 99. They would play this one live at every show, and people hated it. So just imagine, <laughs> there you are, ready to mosh for Stain, and your Power Man 5000, and Corn's going to come out. And you get there early. You camped out, maybe. And this guy in a red tuxedo and a dress comes out, and this is what you hear. You know me, you know me, I got the bull with the bill, and the bitch is gonna slip, ha ha ha. You know it, you know that, I got the balls in the sack, and the bitch is in the cock, ha ha You know it, you know that, because it's on. I went to a motherfucker, I went on. I went to a motherfucker, I went on. You went to a motherfucker, I went on. I would be pissed off if I were that bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to see Corn. I got all my black clothes on. I, I handpicked my favorite ball necklace and my chain wallet. I, I wore the the jeans with the red stripe down the side, oh, just yeah. hoping to catch the eye of the prettiest girl in a baby doll T-shirt. <laughs> ah. And now I'm annoyed by this dildo prancing around the stage. <laughs> Yeah, it, it flies in the face of even though new metal is all about the outsider and the kid who gets called gay by, you know, all the jocks and stuff. It's a little bit different to see this kind of sexuality on display, because first off, this is, to my knowledge, the only co-ed new metal band or co-ed band in the new metal space at this time. Uh, Cold Chamber. All right. Yeah, I'll give you that. It is a different kind of sexuality on display here. It's um, yeah. It's very in your face, and uh, I think people are pretty goddamn uncomfortable with it, as they will be for this next song, Dicks Are For My Friends. <laughs> when I listen to this, all I could imagine is what would be going through my dad's head if he like walked <laughs> by my bedroom in 2000 as I was listening to Dicks Are For My Friends. <laughs> And that's really, the lyrics are, dicks are for my friends when they come to my house. And then he just screams, dicks are for my friends. And it's done at about 200 beats per minute. It yep. is just a speed metal song. It is great. If your dad was worried about dicks are for my friends, boy, is he going to hate this next song. So if you're new to the show, go back and listen to our corn episode in season one. Episode three. Yes. Track six. And basically that is our way, as we mentioned earlier, to reference a uh, certain slur that was leveled at gay people. This is another one of those moments where should you be using that word? Probably not. Right, like so like music and production wise, for me, this was the best song up to this point, but holy shit, he sings the track six word like a thousand, thousand times. times. <laughs> yeah. I struggled for a way as a white straight man uh, to really make my opinion heard uh, yet again. And uh, really the, the best take comes from Tumble user, uh, William S. Rockner, who authored a piece on their blog in 2018 titled LGBT plus identity in the time of mindless self-indulgence. And the author here is a gay woman. She writes, my point of reference for LGBT identities were Rosie O'Donnell and Elton John. There was no Born This Way yet, no Adam Lambert, and no Frank Ocean, no Miley Cyrus, no Laverne Cox. There were no empowerment ballads. Despite the fact that Jimmy Urine has never publicly labeled himself with an LGBT identity, we young LGBT MSI fans claimed him as our own. 
We imitated and revered his gender fuckery on stage. The skirts, the pink suits, and the tutus, and the eyeliner. His yelping falsetto leaping up from the masculine shouting and the way he danced. The paradigm of humor has changed since 2008, at least in my circles. And the reasons for that are manifold, political, social, and capitalistic. In many ways, it's been a good thing. Bigotry can be exposed rather than cloaked in excuses. A basic understanding of social inequality is presumed of most audiences. People are responsible for the impact of their words, not the intent. And here's what I really love what she writes. Equal opportunity hater is seen for what it is. Intellectually lazy and blinkered. The refuge of white guys who don't want to own up to the fact that some jokes just aren't funny. Okay. Uh, you know, so at the time, I, do I think that this song was kind of needed to challenge kind of that machoism that was so prevalent in all of the tours they were on? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, that was certainly the point. Yeah. Is it needed now, and should they be playing it in 2014? Probably not. Next up is Goldeneye, and I have no fucking idea what this song is about. Nope, I, I, I was so stupefied that I didn't write anything down. Yeah. It's the uh, only song that I have no notes on. Yeah, uh, it might be about the N64 game. Maybe it's about pissing. I, I, I have no clue. Nope. He gets deep into his Rasta bag on this one. Big time. Like, super, super deep. I like it a lot. He played this one on tour a lot. I dig it. I have no idea what the fuck it's about. Yeah, I, yeah, no. I mean, I, I'm the same with the next song. Yeah, uh, Harry Truman. Uh, Harry S. Truman is the 33rd president of the United States. That's all I got. I, I just don't know what any of this is about. I don't know why it's called Harry Truman. I thought maybe he was going to get political because like Harry Truman was the only president to ever authorize the usage of a nuclear weapon. Uh, you know, he's got a line saying every single day I got the white man working for me. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got, yeah, you don't get much wider than Harry Truman of independence, Missouri. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, it just once again, like everything else on this album, it's nonsense and it's nonsense for the sake of nonsense. Although this next song, uh, that we're going to cover, I hate Jimmy page. I got a lot of problems with this song. Uh, yeah, as do I. Uh, maybe our problems will sync up. I don't know. So this song goes fucking hard. In a 2008 interview with the Daily News, Urin said, I get a ton of emails. How can you hate Jimmy Page? He's God. Maybe when Led Zeppelin came out in the 60s and 70s, he was. But he hasn't been doing anything godlike in 20 years. And now he just looks like some old Chinese broad. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so I I, right. I I kind of agree with that like i think that there was there's this idea of like you you have to respect your elders now fuck your elders well i mean we also know for a fact now that jimmy page kept a 14 year old sex slave in his house <laughs> <laughs> i mean no one talked about that under your kids but he really did so in verse two he references a older mindless self-indulgent song called panty shot <laughs> Okay, so in that pitois, he said, yeah, it's got the bump with the molestation. That song caused them to lose their original record deal. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. They were supposed to uh, put a tight on Roadrunner, mm -hmm. um, but they put a song out called Panty Shot that is about somebody being aroused by a five-year-old spreading her legs. Yeah, I'm not going to read the lyrics. I'm not going to play the song. They're exactly what I just said. Yeah. Like, only more descriptive. Yeah, it's disgusting. It is a gross fucking song. This is fucking New York City 
performance art designed to make you feel uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean that it's fun. No. And this isn't fun. Some jokes land and some shit. I wouldn't even say it's a joke. It's just fucking gross, but you know. Yeah, he's just trying. I mean, it, it gets his desired effect. He's trying to be the most offensive human being that he can be at any point in time. And, 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 and the thing for me is that's cheap. Like, it's real easy to just say the most fucked up thing that you can say to make somebody uncomfortable. There's not a lot of skill or talent there. It's Yeah, I mean, this song came out on the crappy little demo, and it ended with a, a Lenny Bruce track that was just the N-word. So, like... Right. <laughs> I don't, it's obvious what he was shooting for and he achieved it and lost a deal with Roadrunner Records. This is the point last night where I was like, fuck you, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Although I do like this song a lot. It's just, it, it goes hard as fuck. It's weird. Uh, It's probably one of my favorite songs on the album. It's got the only like real chorus with like a rhyme scheme and like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would play the chorus, but he drops another F-bomb in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to choose uh, songs to play from this. Next up is a song called Keeping Up With The Kids. And this is another song that I love. Jimmy was 31 at the time of this tour, so I'm sure that the age gap here was certainly widening. Well, yeah, and that's that's my thing. Like, at least when Blink-182 was putting out dick and fart jokes, they were like 23. <laughs> yeah. Here's a 31-year-old who was drinking piss uh, yeah. last year. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Now he's uh, pissing off a bunch of new metal bros. And uh, I can't imagine being 31 and just going out there every night for 20 minutes, debasing right. myself. For like 50 yeah. bucks. Yeah. <laughs> if they were even getting paid, because oftentimes the first band doesn't. Yeah, that might have been a buy-on situation. Yeah. Next up is Kill the Rock. Kevin, it's a song about smoking crack. It's about smoking (laughs) crack. I think this song is probably the most honest one on the album uh, in terms of maybe how Jimmy feels about himself and also kind of owning to where all these different facets of his stage personality are. uh, Yet still managing to sound like my 90 year old grandmother in how he references people yeah yeah uh he has a uh he has a line called i'm so hot to trot i'm stealing all my beats from the blacks <laughs> and, and from all the young girls is where i steal my act uh, yep. yep the blacks the blacks yeah Not good i do like the song i like kind of it's almost emo it's like proto emo no you're you're shaking your head at me that's a reach no, I, I didn't get that, no. but right. hey, man, but that's okay. I mean, there are so many genres colliding. And like the thing I think that bothered me the most about this record, I mean, aside from just the pure chaos, is that like it just doesn't keep a BPM steady throughout a whole song. It stops, and now it's going faster, and then it stops again, and now it changes. It just kills my brain. <laughs> I can't ever like find a groove in this shit. Moving on. Wait, hang on. I'm sorry. Can we just go back for one? There's a song on here called M. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can we just play that whole song? Yeah. Just the whole song so the audience can just tell how fucking frustrated I am that I've had to listen to this. Because we're skipping shit that you haven't had to hear people. <laughs> All right, sure. White the wall, white the wall, white the wall, plaster, never catch on. The white the wall, plaster, I never catch on. You always have to do it with a big long john. The wall plaster, it never catch on. We ride it in pink with the walls and the balls and the freedoms and the pink and the walls and the box and the freedoms and the pink and the walls with the stripes and the freedoms got the bite wall never catch on. I love that I made you listen to this. I love that. 
That's a whole goddamn song. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So moving on is Planet of the Apes. I love this song, dude. This breakdown is just fucking perfect. I'm going to play it right now. I fucking love that shit. I'm glad one of us does. <laughs> uh, anything else? No. You just, no. No. No, I've never hated an album more than I hate this album. <laughs> love it. I love it. Seriously. Oh, my God. Next up is Played. And we are 24 tracks in to a 30-track album. And, on, and we're on like our fourth patois. Yes, yes. Uh, you know exactly what you're getting here. Uh, lyrically, he's telling someone that fucking off doesn't carry the same gravity once it did. I think he d- drops another uh, pejorative. Uh, he's <laughs> talking about people sucking his dick. It's really, I mean. Yeah, yeah. And that leads into Ready for Love, which is poking fun at anybody stupid enough to buy this album. It's got a a lyric, uh, you thought it'd be good, you thought it might rock, but your friends were right, and I suck big cock. (laughs) I gotta tell you, I was laughing my ass off when I listened to this. Going back, oh my God, it just, some some jokes haven't aged well. You know, it's like Animal House. Some jokes sure. just haven't aged well and others. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw weird science at the drive-in last year and holy shit, none of that aged yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take us right through it, which is uh, Step Up Ghetto Blaster. And that is the last one we're going to cover here. And it is just a frantic, screechy end to a frantic, screechy album. I figured it out, though, when I got here. I feel like this record was the byproduct of, of Jimmy Urine getting just a really nice new keyboard. And like he had to use all of the sounds. <laughs> he had to use all of the cool keyboard sounds. It turned out there were 30 of them and they had to make 30 songs. Yeah, yeah. That brings to a close. I mean, there's like two more songs and they are just god awful annoying. Oh, that Star Wars Yeah. <laughs> You know, Urine can just hang up the mission accomplished banner on this one. Definitely. definitely. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was getting into. And I got to tell you, like going back to this album and listening to it with my 39 year old ears versus my 19 year old ears, I, there, I, I have a soft spot for this, man. It just incorporates so many things that I love from like. So like, yeah, we were just at like super different places at that time. Like, so that time in my life where you're post 9-11 or right right we're before. right before 9-11 yeah, yeah so i am very very into rage against the machine at this time mm. and for me i did not have a sense of humor about my music at that time uh, so I, I listened to like that and like soul of the new machine by fear factory <laughs> and like that's it yeah that makes a lot of sense because where i was at at that same time was listening to a lot of no effects. Okay. A lot of this. Sure. And my diet consisted of Mountain Dew and mini thins. Yeah, no, I was I was in my like good get the fuck out of my parents' house. Like I was at like the breaking point of that like you know that moment in your life when like 
your genetics are making you fight with your parents because you're not supposed to fucking live there anymore. Yes. Like, I was at peak that. So all of my music was, like, around the fur, Deftones, and, like, so much Rage Against the Machine. Because that's right after the Battle of Los Angeles came out, if I recall. And, like, I didn't listen to anything except that album for a long time. So, like... To hear this, I would have been like, fuck you. I would have heard the first 30 seconds. Get this the fuck out of here. Like, I had already got to the point then in 2000 that Korn wasn't honest enough for me anymore. So, like, this, Mm -hmm. I would have never got the joke. I get that. This was the shit that I wanted to play to aggravate people like you. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And it still works today. But I, I, I remember doing that shit. Like, I remember going to the mall with my parents and my family's pretty religious. And I found a copy of Until the Sun Sleeps by Under Oath at like mm-hmm. a little CD kiosk and I got in the car and I was like, hey, can we listen to this Christian rock band? I've <laughs> <laughs> never heard that record. Dallas is just screaming. screaming. <laughs> and like, I I don't, like, of course my parents are going to hate it, you know? And like, I, I don't know why I, I, like, I had to prove a point. Like I had to get one over on you. <laughs> oh yeah, no, you just got to get under skin because that is what we are biologically programmed to do yeah. is annoy the fuck out of our parents. <laughs> So that wraps up Frankenstein Girls Will Seem Strangely Sexy by Mindless Self-Indulgence. God. Thank God it does. So where are they now? Oh, yeah. Well, Vanessa YT will leave the band on good terms shortly after this touring cycle. According to all the info I could find, she settled down and is enjoying motherhood. So good on her. When she departed, they made a post on their website, and it read as follows. Vanessa has left the band to become an astronaut. So we're holding auditions for a female bass player in her 20s. For those of you who don't live in the NYC area, if you are interested in trying out for the band, please send a video showcasing your look, personality, and playing skills, or lack thereof, to Punk Girl Bass, P.O. Box 1468, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then it ends with, Druggies and men in drag need not apply because we got class. Broads only. (laughs) Broads only is funny. The gig would go to a woman named Lindsay Ann Bellato. And by all accounts, she could not play bass. But when she blew fireballs using Bacardi 151 and proved herself to be very bendy, which kind of became her signature Mm -hmm. thing, she got the gig. Together, this lineup would release three more full lengths, along with reissuing Tight, uh, titled Tighter, and Pink, which is a collection of earlier work. Their fan base would grow in size and devotion, with MSI soon becoming headliners in their own right. And as the years went on, they would refine their sound to align more with traditional heavy music. Songs like Shut Me Up and Straight to Video would become modest hits, and overall, they enjoyed steady success as a career band. As of 2014, MSI has gone dark. So since then, Urin seems to be doing pretty well for himself. He married Chantal Claret, lead singer of the band Morningwood, in January of 2008. In 2018, they moved to New Zealand, and in 2019, they welcomed twin girls into the world. Hmm. He's done a number of remixes, including one for Grimes and the track Kill V Mame, which fucking rules. Okay. He's released a few albums, including a solo project titled Uringer, which is pretty good. And he got some attention for his cover of What a Fool Believes. Have you seen this? I'm going to play you a little bit. What a fool believes. He sees. What a 
looks looks like the fucking founder of American Apparel having his best day. <laughs> Obviously, he's 51 now and shit hasn't changed one bit. Nope. <laughs> Most recently, he released a project with Serge from System of a Down called Fucktronic. And this is an album that's been talked about for over a decade. And honestly, it's real fucking dumb. I hate it. It's not good. I'm not going to play it. You can look it up on your own time. It's the dumbest shit in the world. Or don't. Yeah. Lindsay, their bassist also seems to be doing well. Somewhere on the Project Revolution tour with Linkin Park, she married Gerard Way, the lead singer oh, of shit. My Chemical Romance. Yeah. yeah. He got money too. <laughs> yeah. No, she married up, man. They have a daughter together with the insanely unfortunate name Bandit Lee Way. Jesus. What's your name? Bandit. <laughs> it sounds fucking cool to you. Right. Like, name your dog Bandit. Right. Or Danger. <laughs> or shit. Or Thrasher. Some shit like that. Don't name your child that because then your kid has to go out into the fucking world and, like, they can never hang out with a normal person. Nope. No, oh, hi. No. I'm Sarah. This is my husband, Mark. What's your name? Bandit. <laughs> And now I've done way too much research on these people. So I now know that Lindsay and Chantel and Francis Bean Cobain and some lady named Jessica Adams had a cool girls club called The Coven. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it devolved into infidelity and betrayal and accusations of plagiarism. And they created a ton of sock puppet accounts that were made to harass and gaslight friends and family and it just turned in this weird algamation of this like, sounds like something that sophia coppola is gonna buy the movie rights to <laughs> dude no shit it's like all these msi fans and my chemical romance fans were called killjoys and they have some like serious real emotional investment in people they probably only met at a fucking meet and greet and everybody here just seems like an awful person and i'm so tired nick these people are exhausting and their existence is exhausting, and I want this to be over because I'm exhausted, and I never want to think about them again. You can have that reality, Kevin. You have it. (laughs) Steve Rye contributed guitars and vocals to a number of songs on the last MCR album, Danger Days, The True Lives of Fabulous Killjoy. Why does this shit need to be so long? I'm glad you're starting to feel what I felt 30 seconds into this album. I'm all drunker. <laughs> Kitty has largely laid low. She played on Yearn's uh, solo album, but other than that, not a lot to report. And that concludes the story of mindless self-indulgence. Frankenstein girls will seem strangely sexy. Nick, what are your parting thoughts? Kevin, if we have to do another mindless self-indulgence episode, like on a different one of their albums in like season three or something, season five, call fucking Mogan again. <laughs> I'm going into the woods. <laughs> you might not come back. Uh, those are my final oh, thoughts. Christ. Let's wrap this one up. What you been listening to? I have been listening to Spirit System. They are a three-piece out of my hometown of Winston-Salem. And aside from being great people, they make great music. But it's got big 80s energy. It's got this big post-punk, like ethereal, fuzzy rock songs. Uh, I wouldn't call it shoegaze because shoegaze is fucking boring. Mm. And this is not boring. Their latest single is called In Silver. And I recommend going back and checking out the track This Endless Dance off of their 2016 album Night Falling. That's my favorite song by them. 
if you're listening on the day that this is released and you happen to be in the North Carolina area, they are actually playing their first show since 2019 at the Gas Hill Drinking Room in Winston-Salem. I think there's still tickets and I'm so fucking happy live music is coming back and I'm so happy they're getting to play again. Right. So spirits. Cool. Um, I'm going way back in time and I'm listening to Rage Against the Machine covering NWA's Fuck the Police because fuck them. Yeah. Fuck them. That's a wrap. Go ahead and smash that like button. Give us five stars on iTunes. You can find us at Days <laughs> of the New on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And, you know, a lot of you have been lately. Uh, we love it when you reach out to us. It's starting to feel a little bit like more of a community lately. and uh, It is. It is. Yeah. So feel free to shout at us if there's stuff you want us to talk about or albums you want us to cover. But all we got, you can, uh, you can find me at Nick underscore the knife on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at K-J-D-E-L-U-R-Y on Instagram, and you're certainly not going to find me on Twitter. After reading all this coven shit, I never, ever, ever want to fucking deal with these people. Nick, they are the worst. They sound like it. All right, so let's have some fun for the next episode. It should come in timeline right about the time that the new Mortal Kombat comes out in theaters and on HBO Now. So let's just go ahead and do the soundtrack to Mortal Kombat, the movie. Fuck yes. That's a banger. See you next time. Later. Later.